Welcome to a Pain in the Glass podcast. This is Bill Shearhart, National Coach of Curling Canada. A Pain in the Glass podcast is sponsored by Canada Curling Stone. Once again, I'm coming to you from Geneva, Switzerland, the site of the 2022 World Mixed Doubles Curling Championship and World Senior Curling Championships. My guest today is Fiona Grace Simpson. What a delightful name. I'm not going to tell you her home country. I think you're going to figure that out all by yourself when you hear her most delightful accent. But when she was finished her formal education in that country, she moved to Italy, where she founded a dance school, a very successful dance school. And for 35 years, she produced remarkable dancers, many of whom turned professional and went on to teach the same as Fiona. From a curling perspective, I got to see Fiona up close and personal in Sochi, Russia, in the final game of the 2015 World Women's Senior Curling Championship. We had a tussle on our hands and pulled it out later in the game to win the gold medal. But Fiona's Italian team pushed us right to the limit. They played extremely well under her leadership. Fiona has been a World Curling Federation delegate and has coached the Polish women's team. In 2019, she became a member of the Italian national coaching team. She now has her own mental performance business and helps athletes with mental challenges. So great to be able to hear the words of Fiona today. Her business is called The Colored Source. This is her mission statement, inspiring people so they can mindfully achieve their goals. And let me repeat that. As the leader of her company, The Colored Source, their goal is to inspire people so they can mindfully achieve their goals. Welcome to the microphone, Fiona Grace Simpson. Fiona, in your work as a trained mental performance consultant, what are the challenges that you see with the athletes with whom you work, mostly in Europe? Well, good morning, Bill, and uh, hello to everybody. And uh, it is something that has uh, fascinated me for many, many years, where I now uh, work with uh, curlers, mostly. Uh, I have had a lifetime experience as being a dance teacher so uh, this has given me huge insight uh, onto the, the mental side and how we approach situations, uh, be them um, sporting competitions or performances. Uh, I think there, there is a, a strong likeness to, to sport and dance where performance is, is the final outcome as you're wanting the best that you possibly can. So my, my latter stud, studies in, in the last uh, 10, 12 years, or a little bit more than that, I've lost count now, have, have taken me in this direction. And I, I find that it is probably one of the most important things. 
and having started working as and going to competitions as as a coach, the the players that I am with at the moment, I'm not actually able to be on the ice with them while they're training. So I go into competitions with them and I am there for them mentally. Fiona and I were going to team coach a group of mixed curlers, uh, Portuguese uh, origin, descent, Portuguese passports, of course. And it was a family team, and it was the four-person mixed team uh, living in Oakville, Ontario. And I was going to help train them uh, here. And then they were going to participate in the World Mixed Curling Championships, and Fiona was going to actually be the coach of the team. Fiona, what, what I get concerned about in my coaching career which spans more than 30 years, and I'm going to keep doing it till I get it right, you know. What signposts might I have missed that an athlete was working with a mental health issue, a mental health challenge in a competitive environment? And I'm, I'm feeling uh, very much uh, uneasy, but the fact that maybe my awareness certainly needed to have some sharpening. So I'd really like you to speak to that point, if you would. That is a very good question, Bill, because sometimes it is very, very difficult to to notice the, the, the signs, as you've already said, because we are all so different and we are all individual. Talking, obviously, is, is one, one of the first things. There are people who naturally open up and talk, who tend to be front-brained dominant people, and then you have your receptives, back brain and deeper thinking people who tend to open up a, a, a lot less. So I think, honestly, one of the very easiest, and I say that in inverted commas, thing to do is to listen as, as coaches. But not just keeping our mouth shut and, and, not, and not saying anything. It's listening to the underlying words. It's watching their actions. It's listening in between the lines as to what is being said or actually it's what's not being said. And very often that's very, very difficult to pick up. Fiona, I experienced listening uh, in a competitive environment very much for the very first time. I had the honor of coaching Team Yukon at the most recent Scotties in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And one of the athletes on the team, the athlete that I knew best, I was there to help out a friend, the actual coach of the team who was unable to coach because of COVID. Anyway, I, I knew the skill level of this athlete, which was very high. And, and, I, and I knew her personality extremely well. She was totally different in the first two, three games. And so I, I sat down and, and had a chance to, to speak with her. And it seemed obvious to me that what she wanted was for someone, as you just suggested, to listen. And I learned some things about the challenges that she was facing, which certainly made me a better coach for her and her teammates. So what happens after the listening well when you start when you start listening it's, it's the understanding of what that person that the words that they are using what they mean to them and then when you start realizing and going deeper and then you get down to what emotion they are feeling because we are emotionally driven 
and that then triggers off uh, electrochemical in in the brain. So whether we go and and there's more cortisol, and so there's a whole lot of this is probably not the right podcast to be talking about it in depth information like this, but there's a whole series of things that then happens in our brain, and that is why we act the way we do. And very often people don't understand or recognize the feelings that they're having and why they are then doing certain things and getting down to that and understanding where these triggers are. And then there may well have been other, very probably, there are experiences in their past, maybe quite strong experiences that then trigger and they go in automatic. And that's what keeps on happening. But when you manage to go back and talk through that situation and see why it happened, see it from a different point of view. So then all your self-talk then comes into that and it becomes your truth. And if you can see it from a different point of view, then you can kind of, yes, undo it and then go into these new experiences Uh, with with a different point of view. Those of us who watch a lot of sports, especially the Olympics, saw firsthand a truly world-class athlete in the sport of gymnastics, in this case, in the person of Simone Biles, who had been literally at the top of her game, greatest of all time, and at those most recent Summer Olympic Games, just became overwhelmed with the, the mental health challenges that she was facing. And as coaches and spectators, we just assumed that once a, an athlete became quote-unquote professional, that part and parcel of being the professional athlete was that, of course, you'd be able to handle all of these challenges. Well, that's not the case. It gets down to emotions. And again, if I can package it all together here, uh, the assumption is always that, well, if you're the best in the world, if you're truly an elite athlete, well, you, you'll know what to do. You'll you'll know how to handle those emotions. And well, of course, that's not exactly the case. So I'm going to put you on the other side of the glass now as Fiona, the athlete, a very accomplished athlete for Scotland and for Italy. I saw you play, and my team's played you in the in the, the final in a World Senior uh, Championship, and we had our hands full. Trust me, you played extremely well as an individual and as a team. So from an athlete's perspective, what sort of challenges did you feel? Oh, yes. Well, coming from Scotland, um, I mean, I, I was still a junior when, basically, when I left Scotland and went to live, uh, went to live in Italy. So uh, yes, as as a um, an athlete, this was really kind of before I had really got into studying the the mental side of of the game of of everything uh, with my uh, own personal growth. Um, so so yes, my experience uh, with with the the team that I that I played with the teams that I played with at that time taught me a lot, helped me understand just how important it was so yes there were many a time that we definitely could have done with sitting down and talking about things on the on the other side on the warm side of the glass absolutely uh, there was so much tech, technical put it in into it and thinking no we haven't practiced enough no we need to do this 
but actually under completely understanding each other and the way that we talked to each other, we could have saved ourselves a lot of hassle, <laughs> I think is probably the best word. And as the years went on, you know, your passion for playing, um, like it's actually the, the same thing that happened with, with dance. I mean, I, I taught dance for 35, 30, more than that, years. I can't remember how long. And I actually lost the passion. And I have actually asked myself, why did I lose the passion? Because it was all the, the stress and the misunderstanding that went on around about it. And that was something that did actually really sadden me. But... On the other hand, I'm so grateful for that because it's been a total learning experience that has given me so much insight as to the person that I want to be, that I am now, and I haven't finished growing, obviously, and what I want to give to others. Uh, because peace of mind is just so important in our lives. And these past couple of years have taught, taught us that more than anything. In your time as a an owner of a, of a dance business and a passionate dance instructor, you bring back a, a thought to me that there was a study done by a university in the United States, as I recall, and what they wanted to do was find out using people in various walks of life, uh, not just in athletics, but in all other walks of life, construction workers, etc., 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 what group of people uh, had the, the the best combination of all the attributes that would define an athlete, you know, strength and flexibility and endurance and eye-hand coordination and balance and the list goes on. And interestingly enough, dancers were at the top of the list and not just any dancers, it was ballet dancers. And I have a friend from, dear friends from Halifax, whose daughter uh, is is well on the way to being a professional uh, ballet dancer. I attended one of her rehearsals, and whoa, wow! Uh, talk about a, a practice that any professional athlete would would be challenged. I was quite impressed by it. Um, but we 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 get to the point where the topic becomes emotions, and hard to hard to know what to say on this end of things. Uh, one tends to assume that part and parcel of being an elite athlete or a professional athlete is that you know how to handle emotions. And so here's the question. Is it better to hold those emotions in, you know, stiff upper lip, or exactly the opposite, to let them out? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so sometimes... Uh, just just recently, actually, when when I was talking with with, with a team uh, about about emotions, and uh, it was almost as though they couldn't find the words for that emotion, and and kind of going round about it, you know, is it sadness? Is it no? And just and using another word, we all use words in a different way. So, that, but it's it's your own for whatever. The dictionary says it means that's fine. It's what you perceive that word to be. And finding the actual word for anger, for frustration, or whatever. No, it's just um, that's that's the way I feel. Yes, but let, let's try and find the word for it. 
And it is some people just really find it very, very difficult to go and find out the exact word, what it means to them of what that emotion is. And when they do, it's literally like, you know, that black cloud just kind of opens up and it's it's just reality to them. It, it just It's just life-changing. It really is. Fiona, I encourage my athletes to keep a diary. Now, it's not the kind of diary that you think one would keep. This is a diary which will include... Uh, how you felt with uh, uh, the way you performed in various games, what happened within the games, communication with your teammates, and all of those important things in the competitive context, but also to include what happens in your real world uh, with coworkers, with family, with friends. And what happens is that frequently, if there is a period of time in the competitive season when you're not playing up to your standard, there's always that tendency to think, well, I must be doing something wrong with my slide, with my delivery, you know, some aspect of the, the technical challenges of being a curler, when it isn't that at all. It's something that's changed or, or some sort of challenge with your real self. And I, the term I like to use is you need to connect those dots that with great performance are things that happen in your real world, ABC, but when things aren't going so well with your performer self, maybe things are XYZ and you really have to deal with things in your real world as opposed to running to the coach and trying to fix something that isn't broken in the first place. Please you know, speak to that because we're so technocentric in our sport. Oh yes, a diary is is also a, an extremely handy tool as to connecting the dots, as you said. But it is also a way of measuring your success. You then have the possibility of going back to your diary and and then saying, "Oh no, I did actually do something." That was positive. And look how many things I did that was positive. How many times do we actually turn around and say, oh, no, do you know, I really haven't made much progress. I don't feel as though I'm getting much better. If you have a diary, then you can actually go back and you'll be really, really surprised to see just how many things have gone even better than than you thought you had. But we tend to our, our our brains are kind of wired that way. We tend to look and think about the negative before we see the positives. That, that, that doesn't go for everybody, obviously. Uh, but if you can keep on seeing the positives and keep on building on that, then you just go in, in an up spiral of positivity, which doesn't mean that you won't necessarily see the negative things and the negative things won't happen to you but then you will be able to experience them in a different way. I was speaking to somebody, uh, my daughter actually, she won't mind me uh, uh, naming her. Uh, She lives a long way away. I don't really see her much. She lives in New Zealand and uh, she's she's, uh, in the the arts and uh, she had been saying for quite some time, uh, you know, I just don't seem to be able to do anything. I, I don't seem to be able to progress. And I, I was just saying to her, I only speak to her on Zoom. It's been two and a half years since I last saw her. And I was just saying, but can't you see just how much you've grown and how much you have actually done? And then there was just total silence on the other side. And she said, no, I can't. I said, you know, the words 
that I heard from your mouth two years ago when you were saying, oh, everybody is so, so ahead and they're so uh, conscious about their body, about their mind. And I said, well, why, you know, what, what makes you think that? She said, I, I just don't see it. And I said, well, we went through various stages and things that she has done in these, in these last few years. And she said, oh, oh, yes, you're quite right. And I said, and how... How did you manage to forget that? You know, are you are you writing it down? Are you doing? Oh no, no, that's right. I used to keep a diary when I was a kid. Now I don't do it any longer. Oh, maybe I should start doing it. So, honestly, said by somebody who is very bad at keeping a diary because writing—I don't know what it is about me in writing—but uh, there are other ways. You can record your voice, you can, you know, we, we've all got smartphones, uh, it's got a, a microphone on it, and it goes straight on to uh, Microsoft Word, and you can make out a, a, a virtual diary, there's all kinds of ways, but it is just so important to see the wins in, in your life, and it contributes to everything you do. Those folks who are interested in the activity of creating a diary, I caution them that uh, not to be discouraged. It's going to seem like a bit of a daily task, but it's not going to take very long before you cannot wait to put entries into your diary, both from a competitive perspective as well as a real-life perspective. Now, Fiona, going to Latvia tomorrow to be a real coach. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, I'm off to Latvia tomorrow morning uh, with the uh, Portuguese men's team. Uh, for the very first time, they are going to be playing in the European Curling Championship C Group in uh, Lithuania uh, this next week, starting Saturday next. And uh, yes, yeah, so we're we're going to have just a mini camp and time to uh, get together and get to know each other because I've worked only with them online obviously because they all come from Canada so uh, they're all the dual uh, citizens um, all Portuguese speaking but they all live in Canada and uh, yeah we're just really looking forward to, to this experience Alright coach enjoy that time on the coach's bench it can be a very interesting perspective. So, Fiona, thank you once again on behalf of the coaches whose lives you will touch listening to this episode of A Pain in the Glass podcast. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. And good curling to everybody. Serene curling to everybody. Enjoy. I'm not sure about you, but I just can't get enough listening to learned people like Fiona on the warm side of the glass part of our sport. Thank you once again, Fiona, for joining with us. And thank you for joining with Fiona and I listening to this episode of A Pain in the Glass podcast sponsored by Canada Curling Stone. It's a rainy day here in Geneva. The men played this morning versus Australia and uh, pulled it out near the end of the game. <laughs> the women take to the ice tonight against Ireland. Thank you very much once again. Stay safe. And of course, good curling.